1: It's Let's ride
2: for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger baseball.
1: The Incline Dodgers is presented by TickPick. If you're a Swifty and you're trying to get tickets to see Taylor Swift out here in Los Angeles, make sure to download the TickPick app where you can get the best deals to see Taylor Swift in action. No service fees at checkout. I just saw Yellow Card. I saw Paramore. TickPick has me covered. No service fees at checkout. Like I mentioned, it's really easy to find any particular event you're looking for, if you're trying to take a friend, a loved one, someone you're trying to impress out to a Dodger game, you can do that and get the best deals on Tick Pick where they'll have seats available for pretty much anywhere you want to sit. It's not just MLB. You can get some tickets lined up for NFL. I know that's coming up. So all types of events and fun stuff happening over on TickPick. Proud sponsor of this show. Let's get started. What is going on Dodger fans? Hope you're doing well out there and thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast post MLB trade deadline edition. We are recording the evening of August 1st with your Los Angeles Dodgers coming off a 7-3 to victory over the soon to be Las Vegas current Oakland Athletics led by Lance Lynn. We will talk about his Dodgers debut We will give you our thoughts on the MLB trade deadline and our takes on what the Dodgers did and didn't do earlier this afternoon. But the Dodgers are 60-45 and as they get the win. They are now two and a half games ahead of the San Francisco Giants for first place in the NLS, and they won the first game of three against the Oakland Athletics. So we'll talk about the Padres series that's looming as well. But let's get into it. So some of the big takeaways from today's trade deadline was Eduardo Rodriguez vetoing a trade to the Dodgers we'll get into that Dodgers were in the mix for Justin Verlander that didn't work out we'll get into that let me pass it over to Jake Reiner who is back from Atlanta so Jake give me your thoughts on the Dodgers trade deadline you can focus on either today or the deadline as a whole let's hear your thoughts and if you approve
0: or disapprove or and where your head's at so welcome back Thank you. Well, it was a bit of a letdown. I have to say, I, 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 we were in on pretty much every big name pitcher that was out there and we got none of them. So it was a little bit of a disappointment there, I think because the Dodgers obviously had a need for starting pitching above everything else. I was hoping they could add maybe a bullpen piece too, and they didn't do that either. So it was a little, it was a little disappointing I have to say But reading what went down, especially with Eduardo Rodriguez, which we'll get into a little bit, and also just, we can also talk about the Dodger tax too. I'm not, we're not talking about the luxury tax. We're talking about how teams just love to run up the price on the Dodgers in terms of prospects. And it doesn't seem like they do that with any other team out there. So that was a bit frustrating, but I think this team when healthy is a competitive team that can make a world series run. I really do. They just need more from the guys that they have. They need more from Gonsolin. They need more for Urias. They need Kershaw to come back. They need all these guys to be healthy and ready for the playoffs. And I think they got as good a shot as any. But yeah, I think they needed more. And I'm glad we got to take a look at Lance Lynn tonight, which obviously we'll get into as well. But I, I at least they got him and at least they got Ryan Yarborough. I don't know what he's going to bring either. But yeah, a bit a bit disappointing, but I'm not, you know, livid. I'm not throwing my arms up and kicking and screaming about this. It just seems like it they should have they should have made a move but didn't.
1: Jake isn't throwing his arms up and doing the, the Dodgers dance either, it sounds like, in honor of Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Get more to me- that in a second. But let me also introduce Chris Camello, who's back pinch hitting for David Rosenthal, who's been about as reliable as Austin Barnes this season. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Outlet Forums, wow. Chris wow. Camello,
1: back in the building to step it up. So glad to have you back, Chris. Uh, Jake just threw a lot out of a lot out us uh, a lot at us right now. I can't talk because I'm still shook from the deadline. But a lot of good stuff we just heard. So, Chris, let me get your thoughts, and then
2: I'll let you steer kind of the direction of where you want to take this show. Well, first of all, if I'm uh, pinch hitting, uh, and I apparently I'm a good pinch hitter, does that make me who Lenny Harris? Or, or Dave Hansen going back to your Almeido signs. How about that? Almeido the tomato. Yes, I will take (laughs) that. Circa, what was that? Circa 2004, 2005. Yeah, Almeido the tomato. That is me. Uh, yeah, it, overall, the deadline I would say was a B minus. They they address some needs. They got some right-handed bats. They got some starting pitching. They got some relief help. You know, I remember I came on this show a few different times, Kevin. And what did I say? Look out for Joe Kelly. I know you were pushing for Kendall Graveman, and he is now starting. You know what's funny about all of these deadlines, even the NBA one, the this is the year of the the reunion tours. This is, you know, the, the Beach Boys or the Rolling Stones or everybody getting back together for the reunions, baby. We saw it in the NBA with the Clippers and uh, some of the guys that they got. And we're seeing it now with KK Hernandez, Joe Kelly with their second stints with the Dodgers, Kendall Graveman and Justin Verlander, their second stints with the Houston Astros. So it's been a kind of a bizarre deadline uh, for, from that aspect. But I thought they addressed the needs, Yes. Tuesday will go down as very disappointing. And probably, what was the last time any of us saw a player who had a no-trade clause actually block a trade from a losing environment to a winning environment? And keep this in mind about Eduardo Rodriguez. This guy's won a World Series before. He was on that 2018 Boston Red Sox squad, infamously throwing his glove down after Puig hit a big home run against him. I believe that was game four of the 2018 World Series. Oh, yeah. And he's having a a pretty good year in Detroit. Uh, He's had his ups and downs. He's had some issues health-wise off the field. I understand not wanting to be away from your family, but come on, man, it's a three-month vacation and a chance to get back to where I know you've missed. And that's the postseason. that's pitching in October, that's being in the hunt for a World Series. And that was really, truly bizarre. Verlander, I would have probably maybe expected it from maybe even Scherzer, but Rodriguez? seriously bro come on you're good you ain't that good and that's another thing stop giving these freaking beeline pitchers a no trade clause i mean that's the bigger issue that's 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 really the bigger issue yeah it's like you don't need a guy who's got six wins and an era just under three playing for the freaking detroit tigers to have a no trade clause i mean that that's just that's just out of this world but overall they ryan Yarbrough. Uh, Jake, you brought up a good point. What's he going to do? Well, check his stats in July. Since he's returned from that facial facial injury that he suffered back in May, he's been rock solid. And you put him now in a winning environment with some run support, he could be good for, for the Dodgers. And I think just getting him and Lynn innings eaters, established starting pitchers, where you don't have to rely on Grove, you don't have to rush back Clayton Kershaw, you don't have to rely as, on much, uh, as much on Emmett Sheehan, that is really where the victory came in for the dodgers so yes they didn't hit the big home run they didn't get the big splash but i also pose this question to you guys when was the last time they made a big splash Uh, when did it work out for the dodgers last machado darvish scherzer and turner i'm sorry to say that happens to be a fact Well, we could get more nitty gritty
1: into it, but I would argue that the Machado trade was a big boost for the Dodgers. I don't think they make the world series without his presence. The Scherzer Trey Turner trade. I don't think the Dodgers maybe even survive the wildcard game without that trade because Max Scherzer was the Dodgers wildcard game starter against St. Louis. And he kept him in that game.
0: And also you Darvish, they got to the world series, but I, but I get your point. They, 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 it didn't turn
2: into World
0: Series victories, uh, is is the is the overall point?
2: For sure, and that's and that's what I'm leaning toward. I'm not saying it, it just because of the, those are the reasons why you sit back and sit on your hands. We all agree, Dodgers needed starting pitching, but there was no guarantees that a Scherzer or a Verlander. And by the way, there's no guarantees that Scherzer and Verlander are going to lead the Rangers and the Astros respectively to an American League Championship Series or even to an American League pennant. So I just want to keep that in mind as well. So yes, you want to stack up. You want to You want to have the loaded dice. When you're at the craps table, you want to stack those chips up as high as you can. I totally get it, but let's not act like they didn't do anything. If they didn't get any starting pitching guys, we'd be having a much different conversation. I was never keen and neither were you Kev about Justin Verlander. Why? That 2025 vesting option was really the Achilles heel. And there was no guarantees that Verlander was ever going to waive that no trade clause to come to the Dodgers either. Yeah, just, he wanted to, he, just he wanted
0: to be in Houston. Yes, he wanted to be in Houston, and Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez didn't want to be a Dodger. So the, there's there are a lot of you know uh, outside factors that Andrew Friedman just can't
2: control. Of course. All and right. by the way, uh, the couch for Eduardo Rodriguez made for October is is, is uh, airmailing its way to Detroit right now. So, yeah, that's all right. a nice. A awesome. couch.
1: I'll get into it now. I'm giving Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers a D for disappointing because that's how I feel about this trade deadline. It they, didn't make the, they didn't make the move. They desperately needed some starting pitching outside of Lance Lynn. And yes, Lance Lynn was solid tonight, gave them seven innings. Something that the Dodgers haven't seen from a starter since June 20th, but he still gave up three individual solo home runs to the worst team in a long time, the soon to be Las Vegas Athletics. So I'm going to need to see a lot more from Lancelin to even have a conversation if he's postseason starter worthy, because I feel like that's where the Dodgers are still lacking. That's a listener question. Uh, we'll get into more in a second. But why did the Dodgers put so many eggs in the Eduardo Rodriguez basket? I would like to know what the Dodgers had even offered for the Detroit Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez, because I've never been that big of an E-Rod fan to begin with. This guy walks around like he's an ace when he's really a number three, number four starter. He's on a bad Detroit Tigers team anyways, and you brought up a good point about get that couch ready. I mean, who the hell wants to pick Detroit over Los Angeles? Like, are you serious, bro? That is some very unserious Idiot of the week material right there. Erod, pathetic. I I didn't, he wasn't even that great in that World Series game. Anyways, you brought up the Yasiel Puig home run. He got lit up by the Dodgers. Wouldn't have liked him on the Dodgers anyways. So I'm disappointed that he was even really a target for the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. I know they were in the market for Dylan Cease, but the asking price was sky high. It seems like things were just too last minute anyways to even pursue that route. But why not be more aggressive for Jack Flaherty? Why didn't they pull off a move for Jordan Montgomery? Lucas Giolito, they could have easily up to the Angels. No problem to bring in Giolito. So I'm not entirely sure what the mindset was with the Dodgers. And then on the Justin Verlander front, I doubt he would have vetoed a trade to the Dodgers. Where I think the Dodgers screwed up was they waited too long. They let the Astros get into the hunt. Once the Houston Astros were kind of more aware aware of what the asking price was because the Dodgers clearly weren't willing to offer a lot, which I understand because it's a lot of money. But the reality is the Astros are only paying Justin Verlander $29 million to cover the next two and a half years. That's nothing. So that's why the Astros did that trade because they, they, in my opinion, they won the trade deadline this weekend with, or this week with Verlander and Kendall Graveman coming back. Yeah, they gave up some of their top prospects, but come on. Verlander won the Cy Young last season. They just had Valdez throw a no-hitter today. It's hard to convince me now that Houston's not the favorite in the American League. So I'm disappointed that the Dodgers weren't at least more aggressive in the Justin Verlander deal. It seems like the package the Dodgers would have had to offer would have included Emmett Sheehan. I don't know if I really wanted to trade them Sheehan. But Verlander would have been a complete game changer for the Dodgers. So I'm kind of disappointed that there was a whole waiting game and they let teams like the Padres, the Giants, and the Astros get into this mix. Just get the deal done if you're interested. Like, what was the holdup?
0: Yeah, and it seems like the Dodgers have a plethora of other talent that isn't Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan and some of these really top guys like Michael Bush and Landon Knack. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are so many other options that they Diego Cartaya. I mean, there's so many other ways that they could have gone to get this deal done, but it's sort of like we don't really know what was discussed during these deals or what players were discussed and, and how and how it all broke down. It just we just see the results and the results are is that the Dodgers only got Lance Lynn. And the only bullpen help, which I said before, they didn't get a reliever. I forgot about Joe Kelly, but that mm. was a few days ago. They got yeah. Joe Kelly and Ryan Yarbrough. I'm not sure how they're going to use him, whether he's coming into the starting rotation or out of the bullpen. But they they did get some of those players. But I I, I felt like they they could have done so much more uh, to address have. the needs that they have. I think I think offense they did they they did a pretty good job. I mean, Kike Hernandez not having a great season, but for whatever reason, you put him in Dodger blue and he clutches up like tonight. Yep. Base is clearing double. Uh, granted, it was against the A's, but he's, he's my favorite always, move of
1: the deadline.
0: He He's always had that clutch gene in him and he's great in that clubhouse. I mean, just fits right back in with the mold and, and the flavor of that clubhouse. And and I love that. So, and, and Ahmed Rosario, uh, another guy that, kind of under the radar. Didn't really have to give up much. Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. He had a good outing for the guardians. Let's see how much, let's see how long that lasts, but um, they did do some upgrades there, but I think the offense has been so damn good this year that they didn't really need to do that much to get a bat. It would have been nice to get a, a, a bigger bat, maybe a good right-handed power bat. But other than that, I, I felt that they were fine. The needs were, were pitching. And the Dodgers are thin. They've got one of the worst rotations in baseball and they've got a lot of injury prone guys now. So I'm a little worried going into October with this.
2: For sure. And I think uh, uh, Mitch Keller, I wanted to throw that out because I know that was a name that was getting floated out from David Vasse talking about the extension issues that he had had with the Pittsburgh pirates and, Uh, here's the thing about Keller. You would have had him for two and a half years. So that asking price, especially him this year for what he's meant to the pirates being an all-star and really kind of coming to his own, that would have been, you know, as Clay Davis, the state Senator from Baltimore in the show, the wire would have said, the short con and the long con that would have been the long con right there. Cause you, with Mitch Keller, if you would have parted ways with a Pepio maybe a Gavin stone or Cartaglia Bush, like you guys pointed out, but you get a guy like, like Keller who could be good for you and over the next two and a half years and really be a foundational piece along with a Walker Bueller, along with a Bobby Miller. Maybe Dustin May comes back. And, of course, who am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, Shohei Ohtani, assuming he comes to the Dodgers this winter. Now you've really got a deadly rotation for the next three to four years, at least, assuming that they keep Bueller around for a long time. So that was another disappointing aspect. But I agree, guys. Eduardo Rodriguez was obtainable. They were banking on the fact that, okay, this guy could either be a rental Or he could be a cost-controlled pitcher for us over the next three years, assuming he opts in. So that was the one contract where it was like, I think it was the the most appealing without having to give up that much stuff. That's why, Kev, answering your question earlier, why were they hung up on Eduardo Rodriguez? It was not only stuff and not, not only experience or a championship background, it was the contract aspect of it. I think they wanted to get cost-controlled guys who are under team control. Not that long. You know what I mean? They're trying yeah. to get a certain piece, and it just didn't work out that way. And then, in the last hour, you can't be scrambling for guys like Cease and Keller or even Flaherty because now the prices go up, and these guys are under contract for multiple years. Yep. To throw out a more recent
1: movie reference, Today was just Oppenheimer. It all blew up in Andrew Freeman's face. Just a disaster, honestly. I just don't get the E-Rod hype. I just really don't. I would have rather have been happy them not making a move at all than trying to be all in on Eduardo Rodriguez. And missing out on other guys in the process. Yes. Yeah. It just disgusts Agreed. me. So yeah. coming from A, Amazola24 on X, what opi- he wants our opinions on all the different trade deadline acquisitions. I feel like we covered a lot of them, but we can cover what we've missed. Which starters do you trust for the postseason and who's going game one? So maybe that's where we move our attention right now. How does the Dodgers postseason rotation line up? Assuming the guys that are actually capable of pitching. Are available like the Kershaws and you can throw in Bueller too, if
0: you want. Here's the here's the weird thing about this. If you would have told me. Last year, who I thought would be the game one starter, I would have said Julio Arias, hands down. I mean, every single year, you kind of know midseason, the Dodgers are going to be winning the division and you kind of have an idea of how you want to stack up the postseason rotation. This year is completely different. And I think leading up to the postseason, it's going to be an audition process because there isn't a clear cut favorite. Mm -hmm. If Kershaw was healthy, I'd say him, but we don't know what's going to happen when he comes back or when he comes back. Urias has been very bad for the majority of the season. Gonsolin has gone south. Lance Lynn pitched well against the A's, but like Kevin mentioned, he gave up three solo shots to the Oakland Athletics, who are terrible. Mm -hmm. So Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, I mean, it's anybody's game at this point. I, I, there is, there is no clear cut in my mind. I mean, if I had to choose and I knew he was going to be healthy, I would pick Kershaw, but I'm not really that confident in that either.
2: I, I agree. Uh, it's definitely a volatile situation right now. And, and let's be honest. Odias. I, I said this before the deadline. I don't care who you bring in. You could bring in Scherzer. You could bring in Verlander. You could bring in any combination of those two guys, right? Uh, that, that we mentioned earlier. You're still gonna need Julio Urias in some aspect, whether it be a starter. hundred percent. You're gonna need Tony Gonzalez, and 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 you guys are thinking October. I'm still thinking August and September. This division lead is two and a half games. It's anybody's ball game. Giants are are hanging around, and a lot of that is the Dodgers' fault. I mean, give some credit to the Giants; they're finding ways to win games despite not scoring runs. But the fact of the matter is, the Dodgers have lost five out of seven going into Monday night or Tuesday night's game, and before the win. So you're gonna need guys to have quality outings for the rest of the season. You're gonna need Urias to go out there and give you six, seven innings of two to three run ball. You're gonna to need Tony Gonsolin to not struggle uh, through five innings and throw 125 pitches. That 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 shit just ain't, ain't gonna fly. You're gonna need those guys at some point. But going back to the original question, game one starter, if he's healthy, Clayton Kershaw, no doubt in my mind. Game two, Lance Lynn, maybe oh. game three, Julio Urias. And game four, Call me crazy. Toss up whoever's got the hotter hand, Bobby Miller or Ryan or my boy, Ryan Yarbrough. All right. Well, I, I agree with Jake. We got to see
1: about Kershaw being healthy, but just based off how he's looked all season long, got to give the ball to Clayton Kershaw, even though he's in year 16 or whatever. Urias, like Chris said, now the Dodgers really need him because they didn't trade for a number two starter. So I guess by default, he's your number two guy. Number three, I still have a lot of confidence that Bobby Miller is going to get the ball rolling and just catch fire. So based just off pure stuff, I might be giving Bobby Miller the ball in game three. And then, yeah, the final spot, it's really just a toss up between Tony Gonsolin and Lance Lynn. Tony Gonsolin has been dog crap the last month or so with the seven and a half ERA. And then Lance Lynn has given up like 30, 31 home runs this season. He's just, he's like another Andrew Heaney essentially. So that's going to be a battle between those two. And I guess we can't count out, the two other Ryans, one of them being the new one, Ryan Yarbrough, and then the guy within the Dodger system, Ryan Pepio, who's made three or four rehab starts now and has been amping his way up. So, if they can get Pepio into this rotation in some capacity, I guess by August 15th, that gives them about six weeks to be stretched out and potentially find a way into this postseason
0: rotation. God, I, I don't want Pepio. I really don't. He's shown me zero, nothing. I, I, I don't even want to test
2: it. Well, wait, are we guys talking about Ryan Pepe or Kendrick? Nunn? Hey, <laughs> what's the difference? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, I, the longest uh, lasting strain slash bruise in the history of, of American team insane. sports.
0: It's just <laughs> insane. He's the reason we've had to freaking watch Michael Grove pitch batting practice every time out. Mm. Um, the, Here's the other, other point I wanted to bring up deadline wise. What, were the giants doing they they literally did nothing but add aj pollock i don't know why they didn't do anything else and then the diamondbacks were weird too where they got paul seawald but why do they give up andrew chafin and then they got tommy Pham too right so yeah i don't know the the giants and the and the diamondbacks like you say chris are right there mm-hmm. and have a chance to overtake
2: the dodgers why didn't they do more yeah very disappointing. Well, I think them I, and the Yankees had the most disappointing uh, deadline. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry yeah. Kef, go ahead.
1: No, no, you're good. Yeah. I, I don't know too much about the prospect. The D backs got in exchange for Andrew Chafin, but maybe it's going to end up being another Josh fields for Jordan Alvarez. Who knows? Also, maybe. I don't, I think Chafin's probably an expiring contract. They probably just wanted the prospect. Uh, I get what they're doing. They don't want to really give up the farm because they know they're still probably a year or two away from being legitimate contenders. I think teams in the past, like the Padres, have made that mistake where they just go all in too early. Uh so I think I actually like the D backs being patient, it might pay off. So we'll see. Yeah. Um say it like the YM1. Are we ready to tar and feather the front office after the deadline? He has a lot of fears about this Dodgers rotation. Well, Kevin is. <laughs> so I... this is what I'll say. If they don't get Shohei Otani now, because clearly it, the plan this last year has been not punt. I don't like when people say they've punted the punted the last off season or are tanking because they signed great equity players like JD Martinez. And then Noah Syndergaard didn't work out, but you know, I get the mindset, but if they don't sign Shohei Otani now in the off season after kind of, kind of thrown in the towel in a sense in 2023, there's going to be a lot of pissed off Dodger fans, including myself. And I think that's where, they're potentially setting themselves up for a lot of backlash if they don't make the big moves this upcoming offseason.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they they are pushing all their ships into the middle. And they they they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves to get Shohei Otani. And I too will be one of those Dodgers fans that won't be happy if they don't accomplish that. But I don't, but I agree. I, I don't think that they necessarily punted this season. And I saw someone else make a comment about. Oh, wasting uh, wasting a year of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in their prime, blah, blah, blah. No, screw that. This is their team. They're leading this team. They're still the second best record in the National League. They're number one in the NL West. So, I mean, yeah, they didn't have a great offseason, nor do they have a great trade deadline, but they're still a really good team. Mm -hmm. and an insane laundry list of injuries. I mean, you look at the injured list, it's an all-star team on that injured list. So I just think we need to put things into perspective. Again, it was a disappointing deadline and they should have done more, but you look at this team and it's like they've weathered the storm. They've got reinforcements coming back and hopefully they can be healthy because when they are healthy, they're
2: a really good team, maybe even elite. For sure. And I think you also have to keep things into perspective. When you look at the, the recent years, it's been a uh, of, of the champ of the recent champions, right? It's been a mix of either the top tier teams like the Astros last year or the 2016 Cubs or the 2018 Red Sox winning it all or a team that just kind of slaps somebody upside the head while they're not looking like the 2019 uh, Nationals, like the 2021 Braves, that a team that gets hot at the right time things work out for them, and then all of a sudden, it's like, man, where do they come from? How did an 88-win team? How did a 91-win team? How did a wild card team win the World Series? It's about getting, it's not about who you play, it's about when you play them. And the fact of the matter is, the Dodgers still have, there's still enough runway here. When we talk about our issues with Urias, when we talk about our issues with Tony Gonsolin, our, our concerns with Clayton Kershaw's health, there's still enough time for these guys to come back and to catch catch lightning in a bottle. Right. There's still enough time for Will Smith to get his stuff together. There's still enough time for JD Martinez to get healthy. There's still enough time for the chemistry for this group and integrating the new guys to come together at this point. So, yeah, it was a disappointing deadline in the aspect they didn't get that big, sexy name, but this is still a damn good squad. They still address some needs. And now it's just about can they get hot and really go after the, you know, and really, you know, take down a team like the Braves or the Brewers or the Reds or whoever they end up facing down the road. Dennis
1: Byron on X asking us, do we have confidence in Ryan Yarbrough was the front office too hesitant to make a big trade for Lucas Giolito or Jack Flaherty? Chris, I already believe you touched on uh, Yarbrough pitching pretty well over his last three starts, Mm -hmm. 18 and two thirds innings, just five and runs. Do I have confidence in Ryan Yarbrough? Not really, but maybe he'll end up like another Tyler Anderson He's not really a strikeout pitcher. Twenty-nine strikeouts over fifty-one innings thrown. A four twenty-four ERA. And to be consistent, I said it a couple weeks ago. I don't
2: trust pitchers from the Kansas City Royals. Um, I'll fill this one first, I guess. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing with Ryan Yarbrough. Um, I don't mind that he. I don't care about twenty-nine strikeouts over fifty-one innings. You know what that means? Low pitches. That means he could probably have an eight, nine, 10 pitch inning. And that allows him to go longer, which puts less strain on the bullpen, which means he could be efficient. Now you're right. They're taking it. They're taking a heck of a chance, but it's low risk, potentially high reward. Is he an upgrade over Emmett Sheehan over Michael Grove? Yeah, he is just like Joe Kelly was an upgrade over Phil Bickford and Justin Bruhl. So I think that's the aspect to kind of keep in mind, not to mention, if you want to kick, get him into the bullpen and have him as like a long reliever type, you could do that too. So I think that's the, that, that's what they like about Ryan Yarbrough. He could start or he can come out of the bullpen. He can get you quick outs. He doesn't mind pitching a contact, a lot of soft contact. Kind of reminds, I think, I think the Tyler, that was the first thing I thought of too when they got him was, this is this guy a Tyler Anderson, Andrew Haney, flyer type guy, low risk, potentially high reward. And I think that's what that's what they potentially could get out of him. But who knows? The sample size is small. At least he's a healthy left-hander this go-around. Exactly. They gave up Devin
1: Mann and Derlin Figueroa to acquire him. Dodgers, man,
0: the spring training hero. I I always, I always see him every single season. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be sad to not see him uh, at at the (laughs) Camelback Ranch. Yeah, Yeah.
1: he was having a good year. I think he had like a 950 OPS in Oklahoma city. Phil Bickford, Adam Kolarik were shipped out to the New York Mets for cash considerations and cash considerations was a big thing for the Dodgers today. Justin Brule got shipped out to the Rockies and Eddie's Leonard, another Camelback Ranch guy, he got shipped out to the Tigers. So the Dodgers moved a number of these DFA guys and got cash back. whoop de doo Great. Hopefully hopefully they can I'll, pay I'll Otani miss, now. I'll miss Phil Bickford. You know, I had a little soft spot for him. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of downs near the end. But I always liked his tenacity. I felt like you could throw him out there in a 10-to-1 game and he would pitch his heart out. So I will give. Always. I will give credit to Bickford there, and you his know.
0: twenty his twenty twenty one season was pretty electric. Mm-hmm. Um, to go was, from yeah. being DFA'd from the Brewers, they pick him up off the scrap keep and he just came on the scene, and we were like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And he mm-hmm. had a rubber arm. Dave Roberts kind of ran him ragged out there and like Kevin said he came in, in in blowouts but he also came in in high leverage and he wasn't always good but he was always available. So that's the thing um that he yeah I I'm, I'm going to miss him a little bit. Um he he kind of gave me some headaches last season and this season but um he he had some really good moments as a Dodger
2: definitely and who will ever forget what was it the four innings in uh, yeah. against the Minnesota Twins earlier this, this season and yeah. what was it that 11 12 inning game or something like that 13 innings Her, that they ended a heroic up winning. effort a heroic. That, that was heroic so yeah I, I mean I wish him all the best and I hope you know he finds himself in New York and you know uh, now they're they're gonna be falling out of the race at this point if they were ever in it uh, so you know low, lower leverage situations less of a spotlight well as less of a spotlight as as you could expect in New York and uh, lower expectations. Sometimes that could be a key to getting yourself back on track.
0: Well, I heard that they, the reason that the Mets acquired him uh, and uh, who did you say else went to the Mets? Oh, okay. Adam Kalarek. Adam, oh, yeah, I Adam Kalarek, I, yeah. They The reason that they signed those guys is so that they could have some help to finish the season, to, to hobble their way to the end of the year. So went that's to the, the, the line, state yeah. of the New York Mets right now. It's and speaking boy, of it, the Mets. Let's get into them believe, because man.
1: Cookie Joy 720. He wants to hear Kevin's thoughts. Hey, that's me on Max Scherzer trashing another team on his way out the door. I don't know if Max Scherzer really trashed them, but he definitely maybe gave the media more information that than should have been revealed. Yep. Asen- essentially, along the lines, he said that. Billy Epler and Mets management told him, you know, Hey, we need to trade you because 2024 is going to be a transition year. Honestly, we're not even going to really go in on big free agents. That's interesting. Cause Hey, Shohei Otani's a free agent this upcoming year. So we're going to, you know, sign some little guys. And Then by 2025, we're going to probably try to compete again. So that's why they traded back Scherzer. I mean, the Mets have become, if you didn't already view them as the most, laughable franchise in major league baseball i mean they're spending like 100 something million for max scherzer and justin verlander to pitch elsewhere now i don't think i've ever seen that done in my lifetime like steve cohen is just throwing all this money out now so that they can pitch elsewhere and it's not even like the prospect returns that they got were that impressive anyways i mean they got acuna jr's brother from texas and Mm. then they got the astros top prospect who's like the 65th Overall outfielder, and they didn't get a single pitcher in return for both Verlander
0: and uh, Scherzer. So, what the hell are they doing? I don't know. And, and it, yeah. it just it all started this offseason when they when they got Scherzer, they got Verlander, and then it was reported that they got Correa. Yeah, and then and then that didn't happen. That that should have been the sign. I mean, the it, it's it's unbelievable what what has happened to that. to to that franchise year in and year out and just the, the, the way in which they lose. I mean, it is incredible. Whether it's on the field, off the field, injuries, bad contracts, they always find a way to just absolutely implode at the worst time. Sometimes it's in the middle of the season. Sometimes it's right at the end where they collapse. Sometimes it's in the playoffs It doesn't matter when, but it'll happen. And you can almost guarantee that.
2: Yeah. And I think Scherzer saying that with a level of disappointment because one of the reasons why he went to the Mets was, hey, billionaire, billionaire owner, money's no object. We're going to, we're going to get this team on track. We're going to, we're going to go for it. We're going to try to put ourselves in a, in a world series for the next three years. And now a year and a half into that, he's gone. Justin Verlander, half a year into that, he's gone. These were two guys they brought in with, while also letting Jacob DeGrom walk that they felt was going to lead this rotation to the promised land. And I was even saying, you're banking on two guys whose best days are behind them. They're still very good. Don't get me wrong. I think we could all agree Verlander and Scherzer are probably both still top 25 pitchers in the game of baseball today, National League and, and American League combined. Not to mention in the playoffs, there's probably not many guys you want throwing a big game for you than those two. The fact is, they went all in and vacated from it too soon. Yeah, they struggled this year. They're in a competitive division. Marlins are good. Phillies got a way to get it together. Braves have been a, a juggernaut. But it didn't mean that they needed to pull out from that right away. Not to mention, Kev, you bring this up and you're absolutely correct. You got no pitching prospects out of this, man. You didn't really get everything you could have from both of those guys. So bad. you know. And, and I think the contracts had a lot to do with it. So they not only had to take it on the chin financially, but their return was also bad. And it's not just Billy Epler. It's it's their front office. They're not developing young talent very well. And it's also, um, you know, the combination of injuries. And it's Cohen himself, who is also probably green lighting all of this. Very, oh, very disappointing. But yeah. yeah,
1: that falls on him for trusting Billy Epler, who ran the Angels into the ground. I mean, you look at moves after moves that Epler did in Anaheim. I can't Including believe Rando. he got a job with the Mets. Yeah, Rendon is a big part of it. I can't believe the Mets were like, yeah, Billy Epler, you're our guy. And, I mean, part of this makes me think Scherzer's a pussy. You know, you chose to sign with New York. This is kind of BS that you got an escape from it. You should have gone down with the ship. He chased
2: the money, though. Let's be honest. He chased the money. And and yeah. probably the years. I don't think anyone was give willing to give him that third-year option at the time. Of course.
1: And same with Justin Berlander. Sure. And that's where it's also kind of BS because – Why are the Mets catering to Verlander's wishes? They don't owe him anything. And they probably got a worse deal back than what they would have gotten from the Dodgers. Pathetic. Honestly, it's pathetic. Yeah. Cool. Let's go with uh, this next question from Dodgers Magazine on a different note. After the deadline, will everyone realize how important Julio Arias is and stop talking about how he uh, won't be here next year?
0: Yeah, he's important. I mean, he was important before the deadline. He was important if the Dodgers did get a frontline starter. And now that they didn't, he's still important. He has a lot to prove. He definitely hurt his market value this season, though. I don't mm-hmm. know what's been going on with him. I mean, Kevin, Kevin thinks it's, it's Scott Boris, but oh, I, I don't agree absolutely. with that narrative. Um, I think he's pitching I, I'm, like I'm,
1: he doesn't want to be here. It's I'm, really bizarre. I'm,
0: curi- I'm curious what, what Chris has to say about that, but, um, it's uh, it, they, they need him that they need him to, to be the guy that, that they know he can be. And because we've seen it, because we've seen it in the playoffs, because we've seen it for his entire Dodger career. We know it's in there. We know he's capable of doing it. It's just about getting out there and executing and also fixing the body language too. There's a lack of intensity this year that he has on the mound that we've discussed. And it's a little concerning I just hope that he can find that motivation once again to kick it into high gear because this
2: this team's going to the playoffs and they're going to need him so i want to play my way out so in a time where i've never actually experienced free agency i'm going to sandbag yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah that's great advice whoever's giving him that no that's bs he's having a bad year and if you guys were paying close enough attention this, the seeds of this was during the World Baseball Classic. He was not good for Team Mexico. Let's be honest. He wasn't his normally sharp, precise self. Wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great. And that carried over through the spring. And it's carried over through the regular season. It's been hard for him to go deep into ball games. He's had how many starts where he's given up six-plus runs? He's been a disaster. And what, it, what he's actually done at this point is sunk his value to the point where who's going to want to give you $300 million over 10 years? Who's going to want to give you that? You know what I mean? You've got a history of shoulder problems. You missed two full seasons with shoulder and elbow issues. You know? Um, Yes. You were a Cy Young finalist. You had two really good seasons as a full-time starter going back to 21 and last year in 22. But the fact of the, the fact is, if we're going to build a rotation around you and, and, and you can't throw a fastball north of 93, 94, that's a problem. So what I think is going to happen to him is this, if he doesn't turn this around drastically over the next three months, it's gonna play right into the Dodgers hands. They're gonna offer him what they probably should have offered Cody Bellinger, which is a one-year qualifying offer worth anywhere from 18 to 20 million. They basically say, listen, you reset this, we'll work with you. You give us another year, up your value. And if that's not good enough, we'll give you a player option as a sign of a goodwill gesture for the 25 season. And if you ball out, just like I'm sure the Lakers said with D'Angelo Russell, you ball out this year, It works out you opt out now you can get a long-term deal with us or somewhere else if it doesn't work out or you get hurt or something you opt in and we do this process all over again but that's that unless he drastically turns it around not even scott boris will be able to save him in my opinion i don't think anyone out there is going to sink a decade-long contract to a guy who tops out it at uh, 92 93 on the gun
1: yep And that's a big point you just brought up is his velocity has also just been down this season. And usually for lefties, those don't go up typically. So what I need to see out of Urias these next two months is that he needs to pitch like his head still in Los Angeles, because it looks like a lot of these starts he's in vacation mode where he's thinking about that next contract, thinking about free agency because that's what I'm trying to say with Scott Boris is I feel like there's just too many conversations going on. He needs to cut off that communication just focus on this freaking year. And then you can worry about your contract and free agency in the off season. That's all I can ask.
2: 100%. Because the Dodgers are going to need him. And I love Julio love his intensity. Love what he brings to the table. Love, you know, this is the kind of guy you want to be in a foxhole with. I mean, that's El Colici right there. That's mi amigo. I mean, I want to see this guy freaking go out there and win one in LA for the fans of Los Angeles. I mean, come on, man, that's representing right there. I definitely want to see Julio uh, do, do well. But if that's the reason why he's not pitching well, I have a problem with that.
1: Dodgers went 13 and 10 in the month of July. Freddie Freeman had a monster month, hit 359 in July, 1,123 OPS, 20 home runs, a number of bombs. If you're looking at the MVP race right now, I think it's down to three players, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts.
0: Mm. Freddie Freeman, my goodness. Yeah. Just another incredible game. He's at number 330. He's just a machine. And yeah, Mookie too. I mean, he had a home run tonight. Um, I I I I personally think it's Freddie Freeman. That that's that's my pick. I know that Acuna has the stolen bases, he's on the slightly better team, he's the he's the popular media pick, I would say. Uh, East coast player definitely has that advantage, but I, I don't know. You, you you can't, you can't watch Freddie Freeman and tell me that he's not an MVP. He would win it most years for sure. It's going to, it's
1: getting pretty close. I think Freeman is like narrowing the gap. Their wars are, I think 5.6 versus five, but then again, Freeman had like a four hit night today. So it's probably like 5.6
0: versus five one now, but Acuna has that advantage. I mean, he's, playing for the Braves that's you know America's team East Coast uh, you know he's got the hype he's he's a cunha he's flashy and he's and he's really athletic and all of that stuff and he's a great player
2: um so he's he's got all of
0: those external factors working for him too.
2: Yeah. And I, but I think Freddie, this has been an impressive season. I mean, last year he was really good, but uh, you know, he also had Trey Turner there. The Dodgers were just so dominant and everything. He wasn't even a finalist last year. None of those three were Turner or Betts and they were all having MVP caliber seasons. Uh, I, I agree. I think Acuna, I would put him ahead of Freddie Freeman, but it's, it's close. I think Freeman is right there and he's just doing it all defensively, offensively. The guy's a hitting machine. He hasn't had many lulls. He, he, he drives in runs. Uh, he's just a a workhorse, man. Uh, uh, There's a blue collar mentality and there's a no nonsense about him, but still kind of like this quiet, smiling confidence that, hey man, everything will be all right. We'll be good. What do you say, Jake? Like that kind of guy where it's like, yeah, "Yeah, everything's going to be good. Thanks, Fred. (laughs) Can we
1: never see Michael Grove start for the Dodgers again? I can't think of a worse season I've ever seen from a guy that's thrown this many innings for the Dodgers. He got absolutely steamroll steamrolled boat race by the Reds. The other day, the game was already over three batters in Ellie De La Cruz took him deep. Joey Votto, I think took him deep twice, eight runs. He's no, done. He almost shit. took him deep. He almost took him deep
0: twice, but James Altman robbed him. That's That's right.
2: <laughs> it would have been twice. Can I say something about Grove real quick? Okay. First of all, uh, you know, he's trying to be a Walker Bueller knockoff with that delivery. And all I have to say with that knockoff is knock it off. Uh, (laughs) here's the problem with him. A lot of problems. His, his stuff actually isn't bad. Here's the problem when he's missing on his spots, especially when that sliders over the plate, they are hammering him. So it, it's the fact that it, it's like saying, oh, I he only miss strikeouts, <laughs> right? It's like saying I'm only averaging uh, for a basketball reference. I'm only averaging three turnovers a game. Yeah. But those three turnovers are leading to 10 points. That's the problem. That is what I'm saying about Michael Grove. It's, it's not the stuff. I agree. He should be out of the rotation. He needs to be down in AAA. He needs to work on some stuff because he's still a few years away from being anywhere near an adequate starting pitcher. But there's still flashes of potential. And I wonder if there's anything there that can be unlocked before you just throw this guy out like yesterday's garbage. I'm just wondering now. Just playing devil's advocate just Bullpen. because.
1: Be a Bullpen. reliever.
2: Yeah. Actually, you did like that idea, right? You liked him getting a like two, inni- two scoreless innings. I thought in that's how he should have been
1: the entire year. But obviously, with injuries and all that, it really changed the narrative with how they had to use him. But I think his season would have had a far different outlook If he was a reliever, because I think he can get it done for one to two innings. But yeah, they made him wear it. What was it? Six innings, eight runs. He pulled this shit off against the Diamondbacks too, like way back at the start of the year where he gave up like 10 runs to them. I I can't handle it. I honestly cannot handle another start by Michael Grove.
2: I'd rather give me Dallas Keuchel over him at this point. (sighs) wow well, that's a throwback right there i thought you were gonna say dallas mcpherson i was like is he still in the mlb Dallas
0: keichel just got dfa didn't he he opted out
2: he but... oh he
1: opted out okay. who
0: was he even with
1: twins he had he has like a one something i no
0: idea yeah <laughs> he's really yeah. trying to get no back i do in... is with the twins did he ever pitch for them no no okay so we can't yeah. use him on immaculate grid um i, I just yeah
2: michael Cap- wrote oh god go, go 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 jake uh
0: Michael. Yeah. Michael Grove. I mean, man, I agree with you, Chris. He does have the stuff. You see the potential. He's got struck. He's got swing and miss stuff. He does. I mean, he he struck out 10 guys. He also gave up 10 runs. That's a problem. And, and, yeah. and, and, that, and that's a huge problem. And I think, I think it was our, our pal Doyers, Dave, who, uh, who mentioned this, but it was like the the Dodgers watched Michael Grove get absolutely destroyed by the Reds and then didn't get a starter at the deadline, which is a really good point. It's like you, you watch that performance and you didn't do anything. That would have, I would have made a move that day. um, If, if I, if I was in the front office, like that, that is just unacceptable uh, for a world series contending team and, it's just unfortunate. I mean, you know, he's had to pitch. They have nobody else. Pepio died. Uh, they don't have Bueller. May died. cindergard uh, was and horrendous. Stone just didn't have it. Stone, although, although, terrible. Although I think I would still ride
1: with him over Grove, but that's how they yeah, go. Right? But
0: the thing is, is that obviously they have higher hopes for Stone as opposed to Grove. And it's like, if groves confidence gets stunted or his growth gets whatever messed up i don't think they're going to be too they're 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 not going to be too worried about that but i think they
2: they care more about gavin stone so they don't want that same fate for him sure absolutely and i think i think grove was always any pepio i think to a lesser extent as well these guys were always seen as back end guys fillers give us give us a spot start so we could you know extend kershaw's rest or extend Urius' rest and we saw these guys pop in last year and like i said even last year grove had flashes where he was good pepio had flashes where it was good here's the problem with these guys they're either getting hit hard in the first inning or they're getting hit hard as they're trying to get through five innings or six innings it's like that there's always that one inning that dooms these young pitchers and we've even seen that a little bit with sheehan and miller but it's been a lot more prevalent with a guy like grove and stone and even pepio so uh not this year but i'm saying in in you know previous seasons so um yeah but it, it, it yeah, Pepio and Pepio and Sheehan, where I
1: have more faith in them, they don't really get hit hard. They just walk too many batters, and then they allow too many passes and then a little bloopers, what was killing them. I think that's why Pepio still, he's like a top 50 prospect. Sheehan, he had a really good outing his most recent timeout. Just all those walks in Texas kind of did him in. I think Sheehan could still have a prominent role for the Dodgers, maybe coming out of the bullpen, which may be why this is why the team didn't feel pressed to trade for relievers. Maybe they got some of these starters up their sleeves that they're going to put into relief roles. I hope otherwise we're going to see a lot of uh, what we currently have, which is not, not as bad as it used to be at least, but I still would like to see them work in whether it's Bueller, Sheehan, Miller, one of these guys, if they're not starting for us, find a bullpen roll. I think they, they can afford it. Um, just a couple more quick segments just to, uh, round out the trade deadline I want to hear your guys's overall thoughts on who you would consider the trade deadline winners and the trade deadline losers Chris I'll start with you
2: winners I have a few of them Rangers are one uh I think low-key Jays Toronto Blue Jays had a solid deadline I thought they addressed some needs there they they got Jordan Hicks they got Paul DeYoung. uh they were in the talks of of Teoscar Hernandez Marlins low-key had a solid deadline moves. Yeah. They they got burger boy from Chicago. They got, uh, they got Josh bell, another solid hitter there. They addressed the back David Robertson back into the bullpen and they got a decent starter in Ryan Weathers. I I don't know what his role exactly is going to be, but I thought that was a team that went for it. And honorable mention, call me crazy for the winners, the angels, solid work from Perry Manasian. I know that's not going to sit right with all the Dodger fans, but you got to give credit where credit was due. They made some no, solid moves. I don't think that's a crazy moves. take at all. Yeah. I'd like their offseason that they had, and I like the deadline that they had. Perry Manasian, I tip my cap. Hell of a job. Hell of a job.
0: Yeah. I mean, CJ Krohn coming back to the Angels, That, that yeah. was that's a great move.
2: Uh, Richick Randall is Grick. solid.
0: Yeah. Richick hit a home run in his first at-bat. Lucas mm-hmm. G. Lee has
2: giolito hasn't pitched
0: yet ha- he did yeah he
2: did he he got a loss uh he just didn't have run support he gave up three runs i think over six innings yeah. okay yeah cool. i mean i would have loved i would have loved lucas giolito i
0: can't believe the dodgers didn't get him i mean it seemed like the a, a slam dunk disgusted um, but yeah i mean I, I was gonna say the rangers definitely are our deadline winners um and and yeah the, those are all the, those are all the teams i had too for for deadline winners but uh, the the one curious case of uh, Benjamin Button here was um, the San Diego Padres. Uh, what like what was going on there? Like G Man Choi and Rich Hill, and they Garrett got Cooper. Garrett Cooper and Barlow. Did Barlow did Barlow. What are what are they thinking? I mean, is, are these guys moving the needle at all? I mean, it seems like it seems like the guys that they have just need to play better.
1: Yeah, I don't think those moves strike any fear with me. And we're, we're going to round out the show actually talking Padres in a second. But, you
0: know, West kind of sucked in this at this deadline. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, I think the D-backs probably had the best deadline and it wasn't really yeah, that, maybe. all that great. Yeah, uh, my biggest winners, think, fam. Ash, it's actually all AL West. Astros, Rangers and Angels. I mean, the Astros got Verlander. That's a slam dunk right there. Rangers getting Montgomery and Scherzer and some bullpen help. And then the angels, we already talked about it, but the fact that they got G are or, or actually trying to go all in with Shohei's final year, I actually like that mentality versus trying to sell off at this point, since they're winning games, biggest losers Mets by like 3000 miles, incredibly, just just incredibly a slap in the face Frank Fleming of the New York uh, of of Barstool is absolutely right about that team. Holy hell, they're going to be bad for so long. They are worse off now under Steve Cohen than they were under the previous regime, which is incredible. It almost seems impossible. I actually have the Dodgers as a loser as well for a lot of the reasons we talked about to kick off the show. Just did not like the Erod move. I don't understand why that was their guy. And then I think they gave Houston too much leverage with Verlander hence why they're losers. And lastly the Yankees. I don't think they made any moves that moved the needle at all. This is a team that looks like they're about to tear it completely all up in the offseason. Well, they made
0: one
2: move. It's Scott Howard, right?
1: Uh, no, they, they got
2: They no, got they did a No, few no, Red weeks. Sox. Red Sox got Odias. Oh, no, They, they oh, traded
1: okay. for well, Spencer Howard, I think. Spencer
2: Howard. I said Scott Starter. Howard.
1: Yeah. But they also traded uh for, I think for some back end relief help.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, but still it was the
0: Yankees and Red Sox had bad deadlines.
2: But Yankees, New York, uh, New York really had a bad day. New York had a bad week uh, between the Mets and the Yankees. That was very disappointing. I'll also throw this team in there. St. Louis. Uh, not to say that they should have traded Aronado, but they had some other pieces they could have gotten some value for. And and I and I'm not even talking about the ones that were they that were reported on. I'm talking about the Dylan Carlson's, the Tyler O'Neals. I thought they should have maybe traded Giovanni Gallegos as well. I thought he had some value, and even Miles Mikolas. I'm surprised they didn't decide to ship off some more of these guys. But I understand. Like we've got a young team coming up. I think John Mozeliak at the end of the day said, "You know what? We'll revisit these conversations in the off season. This could have just been an outlier season because they've been in the postseason, in the wild card game, in the wild card series, um, and and a d- division winner each of the last few years. And this year, for whatever reason, they were just bad. But I still would think they were losers because they could have gotten rid of some of those pieces to make room for some of their call ups over the next uh, year or two.
1: Yeah, I, I posted the tweet and. I'll keep it anonymous since I don't think they want me to say who it is, but a source did tell me that, and let me know what you guys thought about this. The Cardinals were asking the Dodgers for Michael Bush, James Outman, some top pitching prospects, most likely including Bobby Miller. And then we don't know if that would have included Max Muncy and or Chris Taylor for Nolan Arenado. At least would you have made that move? I don't think I'd make it with Bobby Miller involved, but would you have traded Bush Outman and some, prospect pitching prospects for arenado
2: Hmm.
0: that's a lot i don't know i i feel like Altman to me is untouchable i I think i'm with you i wouldn't have wanted to include him in any deal and you're helping and you're helping that team out
2: too the cardinals valuable yeah Yeah. but it
0: just goes to show you just how ridiculous the price is for the dodgers These deals are getting done. Scherzer, Verlander, they're getting done on the very cheap. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Astros had to give up their top prospect. But like Kevin said, he's like 68th overall in MLB. The Dodgers have so many more top prospects than that, better prospects than that. And teams are just holding the Dodgers hostage. The the team that always does it is the Pirates. um, But it seems like the whole rest of the league's caught on, too. Yeah, I mean, we made
1: like four, three or four trades. The major ones involved. All of them were American League, I think. Like no one in the National League is trying to help the Dodgers. Go
2: figure. Which is which is which is fine with me. I mean, as long as you're getting guys that that could fulfill a role, that's it. I mean, there were there were a few guys who I was surprised that weren't dealt. Kyle Finnegan for the second straight deadline was not dealt, <laughs> and I was really no, I was really surprised. Yeah, the Nationals that.
1: didn't do anything, right? Yeah,
2: Nationals that did did nothing. I mean, I, they're they're trying to. Oh, oh uh, the Cubs. I don't know what they're doing with Condelario, but another team that feels we still got a game. shot. Yeah, I mean, but still, it, it was kind of a bizarre move. I thought the Cubs. And the Angels, as well as the Padres, mucked up the deadline a little bit. These were teams that, out of desperation or feeling like, oh, all we need to do is get in because of what I, what I mentioned earlier about look at last year, Phillies, Padres, two of the last teams that got into the postseason mix, That was your NLCS matchup right there. So there is that mentality of all we have to do is catch lightning in a bottle and we can make a run deep in October and maybe give ourselves a chance to win a World Series or at least go to the World Series. And I think that's the mentality of some of these teams. Plus, I think at this point for the Padres, we've invested so much, we owe it to ourselves to see this process through. Hey, don't sleep on the Cubs. They dropped a 20 bomb on the
1: Cincinnati Reds earlier. All right, last segment, then your final thoughts. Dodgers, Padres meeting for the first time in what since early may it's been it's been a it's been a minute for sure they got a four game series out in san diego you can expect the Dodgers to face pretty much everything that the padres have to offer what are your expectations in this series give me any predictions and let's roll with that is this is this a big who's this is probably a bigger series for the padres but at the same time it's a
0: great opportunity for the Dodgers to just bury them and end their season it's a big series for the Dodgers regardless I think of who they play because the division race is so tight. I mean they, they they really can't afford to um drop these series and they've they've been winning series but for whatever reason they can't win on Sundays. I think I think they've lost 10 Sundays in a row which is crazy and they can't for whatever reason finish off teams. They can't sweep anybody. Um, so that's a little concerning there, but this is, yeah, it's a big series for the Dodgers. Obviously it's a, I I think I would say it would, it would be a bigger series for the Padres as they're trying to, you know, scratch and claw their way to a wild card spot. And they've been very underwhelming, but you know, that whenever the Dodgers and Padres play each other, the Padres get up for those games. Mm -hmm. So they'll be there. They're going to throw everything that, like Kevin said, they're going to throw everything they can at the Dodgers to beat them. It's at Petco, right? You said it's on the road. Yep. Yeah. So that place is going to be rocking. Um, Dodgers fans are going to show up. It's going to be an electric atmosphere, and and it will be for the foreseeable future. It doesn't matter how good or bad the Padres are. Uh, it's going to be an electric series. I'm looking. I, I always say. I always say Will Smith. Um, whenever he's doing well or not doing well, but like Will Smith is kind of dropped off a little bit, and he looks he looks a bit lost up there. Um, missing balls right down the middle, uh, even taking strikes right down the middle. Um, I, I want to look for him to kind of uh, lift and separate and be the guy in the middle of that order that, that puts some runs on the board. But also, I'm looking at our starting pitching, too. Lance Lynn was a very good, uh, you know, kind of table setter, a, a good role model, I'd say, for the pitching staff. We need these guys to go deep into games. We need five innings. We need f- at least five innings from these guys uh, in order to preserve the bullpen because they're going to need to use all of their horses in that bullpen in order to to, to win this series, I think.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it's a bigger series for the Padres and the Dodgers, but at the same point in time, the Dodgers, uh, they don't really have a ton of margin for error. It's not like they got a 7-8 game lead or, right. you know, and, and I mean, the Padres need every win at this point to give themselves a chance at that at one of those wild card spots so they're going to come out swinging, uh, but we know this offense at times it's really boom or bust they're either scoring eight runs like they did on Tuesday night, or they're scrapping and clawing just to get three runs so uh, it's really going to come down to uh, can the Dodgers pitchers not only go deep can they be effective. That's what it is. Can they give the offense a chance to 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 win some of these games? And it's going to be tough in this series to not have a Clayton Kershaw go out there, to not ha- likely have J.D. Martinez. I don't think he's going to probably come back in this weekend series. It wouldn't shock me if he, we don't see him for another week while he recovers from the hamstring injury. So... Um, I'm really interested to see how the Dodgers come out and and how hard that the the Padres play them. Padres are coming off of of an impressive sweep at the hands of the Texas Rangers. And I think that's another reason why they were buyers at the deadline. It's like, hey, we could still beat some of these elite squads. We just need something to give us a kick in the rear. And if we could add some experience like Choi, like Hill, um, you know, Garrett Cooper and Sharper bullpen with Barlow, why not just go all in at this point? So, uh, but I'm really intrigued to see What will we see this weekend? If I had to guess, Padres take two out of three.
1: They're playing four. Split, two-two. Okay, fair enough. I could see that. haven't really done too much digging into this series and what to expect, but I will say, I think it's going to get scrappy. I'm calling it now. There will be some type of altercation between the dugouts. This has been brewing for a wrong time, for a long time. I think this is the right time for somebody to get into it with somebody else. If I had to guess, Trent Grissom will probably irritate someone on the Dodgers. Maybe it's a Peralta Grissom showdown. Big (laughs) series, big series for, um, let's go with Mookie Betts. Why not? He's been kind of in a little bit of a slump. He hit that home run, but I think Mookie Betts will go off against the Padres and he, he typically plays them well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, should be a big series for the Dodgers bullpen. I think, I think they give up less than two earned runs for the entire series. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that we get one or two guys to go five or six innings. But I'm also under the impression Roberts is going to be pretty reliant on the bullpen, hence why they'll give up few runs because they'll do well. All right, final thoughts, guys. Give me any segments, any questions, anything, even non baseball you wanted to cover real quick or you can just let me close out the show, but I'll give you one chance. If there was something on the tip of your tongue, you wanted to speak about real quick.
0: There was nothing that I had extra, but I guess I'll just say this for my final thoughts is like we've said, disappointing deadline, but let's keep things in perspective. This is still a really good ball club. It's still a world series contender. They have the talent. They just need the talent to step up. And I'm talking about the starting rotation They have the talent to do it. They just need guys to perform. Julio Rios, Tony Gonsolin, those guys are crucial for this playoff run. And also the guys that they may be getting back. Walker Bueller seems to be a guy that is on the path to uh, a return. I believe in him. I I mean, I've seen some of those videos he posts and he seems really confident that he can make it back. And wouldn't that be amazing to have him be a part of this team somehow, whether it's in the rotation or even out of the bullpen. Um, but I'm really looking forward and I'm, I'm actually expecting him to be back. Not that I have any sort of inside information or anything like that, but just a gut feeling that he's
2: going to be a part of this roster at some point. Well said. And just to kind of piggy back on that internal improvement. I think that's really what it comes down yeah. to. The talent is here. I don't think there was a move out there that didn't have a ton of risk. So for everyone like yourself, Kev, to say that it was a D, I don't. I just simply don't agree with that. Uh, yes, they could have gone after Verlander, they could have gone after Scherzer, but at the end of the day, those guys were not going to save Julio Urias or Tony Gonsolin from being guys who the Dodgers are still going to need to rely on, not just for October, but for the rest of this season. Not to mention, there's still enough runway here for all of these guys who have been struggling to turn it around, for Smith to get back on track, for Kershaw to come back healthy and reestablish himself, for Gonsolin and Urias to maybe get hot because we know what October is about. It's not about who's got the best record or who's got this or who's got home field. Who's playing the best? Who's a team you don't want to face? And look at the Phillies last year. That was a prime example of a team that had kind of struggled and stumbled all season long and what happened? two wins short of a world series championship. So yeah, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it was overachieving, but the fact is they got there and that is a personification of what baseball is and what playoff baseball is. You don't got to be the best. You just got to be playing your best and be the healthiest at the right time.
1: Agreed. And yeah, I I actually was going to have the same final thoughts as Jake, even though I was down on the Dodgers for this deadline. I stand by my D for disappointment. I was still high on this ball club overall as a whole. I still think they can get to the NLCS. I think it really is a two-team race between the Dodgers and Braves. Obviously, the postseason, things can go completely haywire in a different, unexpected team. Like Chris mentioned, the Phillies could just emerge and win. But yeah, still believe in this Dodgers team. think we're really good. And yes, there's a dog barking. It's a good time to close the show out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the incline dodgers podcast make sure to subscribe download and give us a five-star review if you're enjoying the show follow us on our social media platforms i guess it's x now i'll post the handles below and everyone have a great week go dodgers hear from us next week we'll recap the padre series so it should be good, some good baseball all right everyone peace out go dodgers two months left of baseball let's go